The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Village of the Damned. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Fifteen miles from Ithaca, New York, is Dryden, a quiet, cloudy upstate town with a population of less than 2,000 people. In fact, it's rumored that Frank Capra was inspired by Dryden when scouting locations for It's a Wonderful Life. Still, the dark days aren't just cloud cover. It's a pallor over the town that's existed in earnest since the mid-1990s, when a series of truly horrifying and morbid deaths, all connected to the local high school, changed the town forever. Dryden High School was a nice place for an education. The red brick building is welcoming and statuesque. It has a vibrant sports program, including running tracks, an expensive football field, and a skating rink. Its enrollment in the 90s was around 700 students who would show school spirit by throwing bonfires in the fields and the woods that were close by. On September 10, 1996, spirits were high. Dryden football team was coming off of a division championship the previous year, and the team had just won the local preseason invitational football game. The day culminated in practice, lasting till about 6.30 p.m. Scott Pace attended that practice, and he was a pretty big deal. Popular, handsome, and one of the most talented football players ever to attend Dryden High, he was really the unofficial leader of the team. He rushed out of school after practice to meet his parents and was immediately killed in a car crash. It's a tragedy in and of itself. But what makes it even more bizarre is that Scott's older brother, Billy, similarly beloved and talented on the football field, was also killed in a car crash almost exactly one year before. Everyone is absolutely fucked up by both Billy and Scott's death. People use words like recovering from tragedy, community, and pulling together. But the truth is, it feels like a Greek tragedy. And that's only the beginning. Three weeks later, Dryden had another home football game. This is Friday, October 4th, 1996. 17-year-old Tiffany Starr, captain of the Dryden Cheerleaders, arrives in pigtails in her purple uniform. She's a math honors student on student council, is point guard on the girls' basketball team, and has been voted best actress and class flirt by her peers. 
She's preceded by her equally loved twin sisters, Amber and Amy, who graduated from Dryden two years before. If I haven't emphasized what a big deal it is to be a cheerleader at Dryden, here's a quote from Tiffany's sister, Amber. Being a cheerleader at Dryden is the closest thing to being a movie star as you can get. It's like being a world-class gymnast, movie star, and model all in one. It is fabulous. It's so much fun because we rule. And they did rule. The Dryden High Squad won their region's cheerleading championships a whopping 12 years in a row. The leadership and spirit of the three star sisters might be credited to their father, Stephen, the former Dryden High School football coach. We'll jump back to the stars in a bit, another missing piece of this whole nightmarish puzzle. So on Friday, October 4th, 1996, Tiffany walked in and huddled with her squad. One of them makes a note that their friends and fellow cheerleaders, Jennifer Bullduck and Sarah Hajney, never showed up to school that day. Jennifer and Sarah are juniors and Tiffany is close with them, so much so that Tiffany knows that Sarah's parents were out of town the night before and that Jen spent the night at Sarah's house, located in nearby McLean. The two would never miss a game, considering how high-profile the cheer team is, and also just knowing the girls themselves. Jen Bullduck was 16, tall, popular, a varsity track star, a champion baton twirler, and a volunteer at Cortland Memorial Hospital. Sarah Hadgeny was as dependable as she was loved, beautiful, on varsity track, and did volunteer work for children with special needs. The football team loses the game, and the anxious cheer team decides to spend the night at the Star House. As they head back, New York State Troopers William Foley and Eric Janey are inside Sarah Hadgeny's house. Both live in Dryden, they know the family. But they aren't alone in the house. There are a lot of people, concerned family members, inside the house, says Janey, and the first obvious fact is, there's a problem in the bathroom. In the bathroom, they see a shower curtain pulled down and the soap dish is broken off. On the towel rack is Jen's freshly washed purple and white cheerleading skirt. Sarah's skirt is discovered twirled over a drying rack in the basement. Seeing signs of struggle, Janie and Foley treat the area like a crime scene, and Sarah's parents, who are vacationing in Bar Harbor, Maine, are on their way back home. Seven miles from the house in a fly fishing store parking lot, authorities find the Hadjani's Chevy Lumina. Inside the car is mud, pine needles, charred wood, blood, and diamond-patterned fingerprints suggesting the kidnapper wore gloves. Inside the trunk is evidence that two bodies have been there, but nothing else. Waiting outside the Hadjani home for information, along with many others, is Sarah's best friend, Katie Sorvino. What nobody knew yet is that Katie had made plans to spend the night with Sarah and Jen, but, at the last minute, decided to stay home. So the town is losing their mind even more. State troopers are everywhere, the high school is in an even higher state of tragedy, and the investigation begins in earnest as to what happened to the girls. The first people to be questioned are the Hadjani's neighbors, John and Patricia Andrews. Their six-year-old son, Nicholas, attends Dryden Elementary. From the Andrews' upstairs bedroom, one can look down easily into the Hadjani's bathroom. John Andrews is acting weird and it doesn't look good at all, and his questionable history is reason for suspicion. Andrews is a shy, car-loving guy who went to Dryden High himself, of course, and came from an unstable family. His father is an abusive alcoholic who later commits suicide. John, trying to escape his situation, quickly marries his high school sweetheart, Patricia, and then joins the Air Force. Twice at his German base, John attacks two young blonde women who are his neighbors. He's found guilty of second-degree assault, dishonorably discharged, and then buys a house for his family in McLean. A year later, in August 1996, the Hadjanis buy the house next door to the Andrews, and John quickly becomes obsessed with their beautiful, outgoing daughter, Sarah. The search for the killers of Sarah and Jen alarms Tiffany Starr and the whole cheerleading squad. Quote, we keep hearing different rumors all day. The house where I live is five minutes from the place where Sarah and Jen have been kidnapped. Of course, I go wild, thinking they're coming to get me next. We've been imagining that they're after cheerleaders. And Saturday night and Sunday, it's just me and my mom at home. And everybody knows that. 
By Sunday, I'm freaking out. And I say, mom, we have to leave now. We have to get out of here. And my mom says, okay, let's go. And we throw our stuff in a bag. I can't be in that house another minute. I'm terrified. I'm sure somebody is going to break in and we just get in the car and we go. To fully understand Tiffany's absolutely warranted fear, we need to go back two years and examine what happened on December 29th, 1994. We'll definitely do that after the break. Imagine, if you dare. Whoa, 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 hold tight. Let's... A podcast so shocking. No, it's not that shocking. It's just... So disturbing. Now you're just being dramatic. That it will chill you to your very core. I don't... Have you even heard the show? There's no escaping. I mean, there is. The horrible just... consequences of... Just press pause, but don't do that. Right day. My name is Byron McCoy, and each week I join my friends Sam and Kelly, where we talk films, monsters, the paranormal, and pretty much all things frightening. From time to time, we talk with like-minded specialists, directors, actors, cryptozoologists, conspiracy theorists, but whether it's the human terror of serial killers and home invasions, or the extra-normal phenomena Kelly covers in her Cryptids and Conspiracies segment, if it bleeds, hacks, stabs, chops, summons, sacrifices, abducts, or bites, it is Fright Day. Every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at FrightDay.com. FrightDay.com. Stop it. You're scaring them. Sorry. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, hello, how are you? Hello. This is the check-in. This is the check-in. We're in it. We need it. We're With in the story, we need it, I think. We hope you're well. Mm-hmm. We want to thank you for listening, supporting the show. Mm-hmm. I want to say, what up? Oh, oh okay. A little, a little casual slang. Wow. To all the people that are listening, to all the patrons, and to our one and only beloved government. Absolutely. Introducing 
in not alphabetical order. Not at all. The mayors. <laughs> Ashley Matson. Hello. David Bull. Hello. James Harrington. Hello. Dara Rosenzweig. Hello. And the governor. Governor us? Sure. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. One, one governor under all <laughs> rule forever and ever. Forever and ever. Amen. 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 <laughs> Avian Noble. Noble. If you want early access, mm-hmm. no chit chat, no ads, bonus episode, new one up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Mm. You can go to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. That's right. And we treat our government right too. It's reciprocal. We sent them a little end of the year gift. I'm hoping that they got to everyone. I know we got some messages that they did. I've been doing tarot reads for some people. So if you're further away, they probably haven't come yet, like our Australian patreon government official but we love you guys so much we hope you're having a great year. they just got doxxed oh no <laughs> gave him the con- you gave him the continent oh no i almost said country but i know it's a continent that's right that's <laughs> we have one apple podcast review okay okay it's an interesting one mm-hmm. and if you have left us an apple podcast review thank you mm-hmm. if you haven't yet now's a great time yeah and we can let germagal <laughs> Lead the way from the United States and America. And America. Hello, how are you? Five stars. Hell yeah. Three out of five stars wouldn't change a thing. I wonder if Jason's wife is cool with him recording a show with a vixen? Oh! Now, here's one thing I don't like. My face just lit up. That I appreciated that too much. Who is this vixen? <laughs> and are they in the room right now? Yes. The answer is yes. So that was an interesting one. Start very starting with "Hello, how are wait, you?" We only got three out of five stars from that no, review. We got five out of five from the review, but part of the review says three out of five stars wouldn't change a thing. Oh, okay, okay. I, I misunderstood. That's why I'm all beauty and no brains, vixen style. So that's the one there. If you can uh, top that. Can you? If you can not top it either way. My New Year's resolution is to get more reviews like that. See, the thing, can- if they really wanted to step it up, they would have spelled Vixen with three X's. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's only one X. Oh, yeah. It could be Let, sexier. We can work. We can, we can get three know, X's. You know I will take it, though. I will eat it up. Thank you so much for that. Please keep them coming. And speaking of <laughs> Vixens... <laughs> It looks like the History Channel has That's its right. latest boy toy, latest vixen, <laughs> in the name of Jason Horton. That's right. Jason's in the sizzle I'm for in it. History's Mysteries. History's Greatest Mysteries. Hi- sorry, History's Greatest Mysteries. Not just mysteries, the greatest mysteries. The ones you've never heard of except all the time. <laughs> but you could see the commercial. Because somebody messaged me, he's like, I think I saw you in a commercial for the History Channel when I was watching Pawn Stars. <laughs> And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't. I had no idea. And trying to find it was difficult because I don't have the History Channel and it's not available online. So mm-hmm. somebody screen recorded it from the a feed of it mm-hmm. on the History Channel. I guess they had the History That's Channel. Great. So that'll be out. Season three comes out. February, February 26th? 8th, I think. 28th. But in the episode should be out sometime in March, I assume. Amazing. But you can see me in the promo. Yeah. Total rock and roll. Total rock. And you don't understand, this is a big deal as someone who works in 
the reality space at times. When you're putting together kind of this teaser, the sizzle, you want someone who has presence, who has gravitas, and who will land the whole series with a really fun quote. And Jason does just that. He works for them. He's around for any other history-themed shows that you might have if you're an executive watching this. Yeah, or listening to it. Or listening to it. If you're watching it, you got a problem. Yeah. You, uh, well, you know, any way you can do it, we don't, we're not going to judge. That's true. We'll take it any way we can get it. But you can check take that it. out on my Instagram or the Ghost Town Instagram if you want to see that mm-hmm. little promo. And yeah, it's, it's a, it was a cool thing to do. I didn't know what was going to come of it, but, um, I was to do a couple of episodes. I don't know how many I'll be in. I don't know how they chop things up or whatever, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. in that little commercial and, that's great. uh, my parents were stoked. They so. were, oh, yeah. your parents were so happy. Yeah. That's beautiful. Let's go from a happy moment to a not so happy moment on December 29th, 1994. So we're back in time from the missing two women in 1996 at the Star family home. Tiffany is a sophomore, her sisters are seniors, and their father, Stephen, is the Star Dryden High School football coach. The stars live in Cortlandville, which, like McLean, feeds into Dryden High. Stephen Starr is happy being the football coach, along with teaching sixth grade. He loves his wife, Judy, and his three successful daughters, whom he affectionately calls Penny, Bamber, and Shrimper. It's a good life. So after a dinner with his family, Stephen Starr grabs a plate of cookies and milk, says Amber. So I'm on my way to bed, and he's on his way upstairs. He has a glass of milk and a plate of cookies, and for some reason, this really overwhelming feeling comes over me. And I say, Dad, wait. And I say, stop. I love you. And I give him this really big hug. And he's, I love you too, kiddo. And he goes downstairs. And that's the last time I see him alive. Earlier that year, a moody teenager named J.P. Merchant moves from Truxton, New York to Dryden and meets the charming and beautiful Amber Star. We've established these sisters are like bombshell, high school, popular, amazing kids overall. She herself is aggressive, dynamic, she's intelligent, JP falls in love with her, and Amber, while finding him attractive in that kind of emo way, doesn't quite reciprocate the feeling. They date briefly, but she breaks it off with him, and shit quickly starts to get weird. He calls all the time, he shows up at her home, he harasses her friends, he says if they don't get back together, he will kill himself. Amber is accommodating, she talks to him, she's nice to him, she tries to kind of talk him down gently. But she also moves on and soon starts dating someone else. JP does not like that, and in late December, he threatens to kill Amber's new boyfriend. Tiffany and her mom go to the county sheriff on December 27th and file a complaint. The sheriff arrests JP, but his family posts the $500 bail. Right after his release, he threatens Amber again, and this time Amber goes with Tiffany and their mom back to the sheriff's department, begging for help and protection. On December 29th, a sheriff's officer watches the star's house during the daytime, but after his shift ends, Stephen Starr returns from a conference and his whole house is unguarded. That's when Steven Starr says goodnight to his kids, eats his plate of cookies, drinks his single beer or cup of milk, depending on your source, and heads to bed. Hours later, J.P. Merchant shoots the locks off the star's back door, climbs the stairs, and sees Tiffany standing in her bedroom doorway. At that point, he aims his Ithaca 20-gauge shotgun at her. I'm ready to die, Tiffany says. I think for sure this is it, but something as simple as shutting my door keeps me alive. He's not after me. He wants Amber. He just isn't going to let anyone get in his way, and I don't try. I shut my door and let him go. Seconds later, J.P. wakes Amber up, and Stephen, hearing movement, runs to protect his daughter. Turning, J.P. fires two shots and kills Stephen Starr. The girls and their mother scramble out of the house, and Merchant reloads his shotgun and follows. 
He fires into the woods at the edge of their house, thinking they were hiding there, but the family goes in the opposite direction instead, racing across the yard to a neighbor's. J.P. spots them and almost follows, but instead, he drives to the grave of his high school sweetheart, Sherry Fitz. Sherry committed suicide three years before this, while she was dating J.P. There, he puts his gun to his head, pulls the trigger, and kills himself. Whew, okay, if you can take a breather, let's go back to October 6th, 1996, after Sarah and Jen go missing. Tiffany and Judy pack their bags and go to Tiffany's grandparents' house in Pennsylvania, not wanting to deal with any more tragic and fatal bullshit. I can imagine how much trauma they're feeling at this moment. At the same time, the police are narrowing the suspects for Jen and Sarah's murder down to four, the Hatchney's neighbor, John Andrews, and three others. At 10 p.m., a call comes in from a woman in her early 30s named Anne Erxelbin, another Dryden alumni. She works with Cheryl Bolduck, mother of Jen Bolduck. Anne and her fiancé own a cabin out in the country, and a friend of theirs is staying over there for the weekend. The friend notices a red puddle on the floor, something that looks suspiciously like blood. They go up to the cabin to check it out and call a trooper because the puddle does indeed look like blood. The trooper asks if anyone else had been to the cabin recently, and Anne searches her memory, realizing, actually, her brother had been there not long before. Her brother was, wait for it, John Andrews, the Hajney family's neighbor. John Andrews is arrested the next day, and troopers start to find body parts all around the cabin. His confession is chilling, and soon the story unfolds. Three days earlier, the day the girls never show up to the football game, John Andrews ducks under the Hadgeny's garage door and cuts the phone wires. Wearing a ski mask and rubber gloves and carrying a bag with duct tape, six knives, and even more gloves, Andrews enters the unlocked door from the garage to the kitchen and creeps down the steps to Sarah's room. He ties Sarah up and puts duct tape on her mouth. Turning, he saw Jen, who had just taken a shower. Naked, she fought back as he ties her up too and put both girls in the back of the Chevy Lumina. He drives an hour to Anne's cabin, builds a bonfire, and by the light of the bonfire, tortures the two girls and cuts them into small pieces. He drives back down to civilization, throwing bloody body parts and his own clothes out the window as he goes. On Monday, October 7th, Dryden High Administration sends ominous notes to teachers in each first period classroom. The notes say that Jen and Sarah have been found and they are definitely dead. Says Tiffany, when the teachers read the notes to the classes, people jump out of their seats and run down the hallways screaming. Everybody gathers in the gym and just screams and just cries and cries. And then people speed out of the parking lots. They just leave. Superintendent of the schools, Donald Trombley, is quoted in the Ithaca Journal saying, It is unbelievable hysteria. Katie Sorvino, Sarah's best friend, is taken out of class and told privately. After she hears the news, she runs towards Sarah's locker and collapses on it. On Saturday, November 2nd, one day after being indicted on 26 counts of murder, kidnapping, aggravated sexual abuse, auto theft, burglary, and criminal possession of a weapon, John Andrews hangs himself in his jail cell with his shoelaces. After this, mercifully, things get quiet for a little bit. Scott and Tiffany's class graduates in 1997. Sarah and Jen's class graduates in 1998. In June of 1999, Gary Castle, the young Dryden High athletic director and the man who became a surrogate father to the Star Sisters, dies of a sudden heart attack. Three days later, Judy comes home from work and sits down Tiffany and Amy, telling them that their friend and fellow cheerleader, the one survivor of the fateful night of Jen and Sarah's murder, Katie Sorvino, is dead. Katie had been a huge part of what helped Dryden feel a little bit more normal after Jen and Sarah's murder. But on June 11, 1999, 19-year-old Katie Sorvino is killed by her college friend Cheryl Thayer in a drunk driving accident. Cheryl was pulled out of the burning car by a truck driver and lives, 
but he couldn't grab Katie in time, and seconds later, the car explodes. 2,300 people attended the memorial service for the popular Katie Sorvino, who for the short rest of her life was haunted by her best friend's deaths. Says Tiffany, When Sarah died, Katie took a lot of her clothes and wore them. She wore Sarah's belt every day. I think it really terrified her that she was supposed to have been at Sarah's house the night of the kidnapping. And then on top of it, she lost her best friend in the most painful way that you could possibly imagine. Three months later, Katie's good friend Mike Vogt, the class clown in the Dryden Heights Division All-Star middle linebacker, was so depressed by both Scott and Katie's death that he walked out to a cabin in the woods and put a 12-gauge to his head and shoots himself. I think a quote from the student at the time really sums this whole horrific episode up. We felt like we were living in the village of the damned, he said. We're like, when is this going to stop? Stephen Starr, Billy, Scott, Sarah, Jen, Katie, Mike. It's weird, but young death almost seems to be the norm here, says a mother of a Dryden Elementary School student. It's insane, intense, bizarre, mythic, and horrifying, all these deaths that seem to be interwoven with one another. The community, of course, will never be the same. That's a lot to happen in a short amount of time in a relatively small town or hamlet. Yeah, five years, pretty much. All of these things are happening to a very intense, specific group of people, all affiliated with this one high school. And it, I, I keep thinking about how small this town is and how absolutely decimated they must feel emotionally. Being from upstate New York, or for a time anyway, I wasn't familiar with Dryden as far as I knew, but it's, it's well, it's south of Syracuse near Ithaca, like you mentioned, and Binghamton, which mm-hmm. I've been to the college, you know, SUNY Binghamton. And I think I ran track in Ithaca. So I'm vaguely familiar with that area, but I wasn't familiar with Dryden. But it seems like in the center of a lot of larger towns, mm-hmm. cities in that middle of New York yeah. area, it's just an interesting place, an interesting time. And, and I'm sure it's like a small town, small community, and a mm-hmm. lot happening, not just all at once. It's not like one day all of this happened. It's like a, a it's not even a slow burn. It's a very fast burn, but mm-hmm. a lot of separate things happening at different times, some somewhat related to it. Some just seem like a cursed place or a cursed time frame or yeah. something like that. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's like even one of these things isolated from the rest would be absolutely horrible. Two girls getting kidnapped and brutally tortured and murdered. It's a a horrific story in and of itself, but it's like you compound it with all these other things. And I also, part of me was kind of making a diagram in my head with how all of these people are related to each other too, which I mean, I'm going to try to find one and try to share it because it's, it's hard to keep everything straight. And I feel like I was trying to tell the story with the time jumps in a way that like kind of made more sense, but it's, it's confusing and intermingles and you forget that, oh my God, this person whose best friends died are also on this team where their dad, the captain's dad died and then the next captain dies. It's just like one thing after, I want to send this whole town to counseling immediately. (laughs) 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.